Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 62, The Head Coach. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. We are less than four weeks to kick off. This week, we have more XFL developments to cover. In addition, we have two interviews. Later in the show, I will be joined by Riser Mindset's Dr. Robert Troutwine to discuss their XFL partnership and the Troutwine athletic profile. I will also be joined by Renegades Roundup co-host Zach Arnold to discuss the Arlington Renegades lead-up to February's kickoff and more. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On January 17th, the XFL announced their partnership with Catapult Sports. Per the press release, the league will utilize Catapult's groundbreaking wearable technology, equipped with football-specific algorithms, to capture player-specific data that measures athlete load to keep players on the field and performing their best while promoting health and safety throughout the league. Across the league's eight teams, coaches and staff will rely on Catapult solutions, including Vector, Thunder, and Scout, to make more informed decisions about players than ever before. The agreement gives the XFL access to cutting-edge technology to keep players healthy and performing at their best. As the leading athlete monitoring system in sports, the Vector Sauce technology provides teams with powerful athlete performance data, including speed, acceleration, and max velocity, allowing staff to make objective decisions about athletes, maximizing their performance, and avoid dangerous injuries. Coaches will also be able to review game film, opponent strategies, and practice footage using Thunder. Catapult's video analysis solution for American football. Scout is the industry's most complete and in-depth library of player and team recruiting content. The full suite of Catapult's American football products combines to create a cohesive platform unique to the XFL, which gives coaches and staff 360 technology for measuring player performance, presenting film, and scouting athletes. Through this partnership, the XFL will be able to establish baseline metrics for players, which will help determine the safest and most effective way to prevent and rehabilitate injuries. Players will also have a complete access to their data, allowing them to optimize their training based on real-time and post-session insights. Then, on January 18th, the XFL unveiled a glimpse of its new content. QBX, Building an XFL Quarterback. To get an exclusive look, how the league's director of quarterback development, Jordan Palmer, is working with the quarterbacks to bring innovation, movement, and technology together in order to elevate the quarterback position, check out the league's YouTube account. It is top-notch. I highly recommend it. Also on January 18th, 
the XFL announced a press conference will be held at Camping World Stadium on January 25th. The following people will be in attendance. Owner and chairwoman Danny Garcia, Orlando Mayor Buddy Dreyer, and Orlando Guardians head coach Terrell Buckley. Then, on January 19th, Sport One announced it had acquired exclusive rights package to broadcast XFL games in Austria, Germany, and Switzerland for the first two seasons. Per their announcement, the package includes a total of 43 games. Sport One will show the opening season live every match day and in highlights on free TV and exclusively on Sport One Plus, as well as on sportone.de, Sport One apps, and its social media channels. At least 10 games per season are planned on free TV on Sport One. For additional details, visit sportone.de. Then, on January 21st, the XFL announced training camp rosters had been set to 70 players. Heard the XFL Communications Department. Updated rosters are available on team pages at XFL.com. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by Riser Mindset's Dr. Robert Troutwine to discuss its partnership with the XFL and the Troutwine Athletic Profile. Welcome, Dr. Troutwine. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss Riser Mindset's partnership with the XFL and the Troutwine Athletic Profile. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, likewise, it's a privilege. I believe it's beneficial for our listeners if you could share some of your backstory and your role at Riser Mindset. Can you take a moment and do so? Yeah, so uh, it goes back a long time ago. This is uh, my fourth decade. And uh, originally, believe it or not, I was a coach. Uh, We went to the national championship and quickly after that got hired by an NFL team. I was doing a lot of corporate consulting and Obviously, the Troutwine Athletic Profile, the TAP, it didn't just appear. My skill set, what I was trained for, um, much like an engineer, you know, rocket engineers trained to build those. I, I was a test builder. And so, you know, for Ford, I constructed tests and sprint and corporations. And so, you know, I had that uh, ready to go. And so after I coached, I had the good fortune of uh, getting hired by an NFL team originally to help the players uh, transition more into corporate and a second career, but then also almost immediately in scouting, they they were not really getting any information other than height, weight, speed, and they you know were interested in the players' makeup. I said, oh, I can help you with that, and so that's how the Troutwine Athletic profile we call it the tap it started and it's gone through all kinds of iterations and originally it was based on elite athletes you know basically any NFL prospect and then we expanded into other sports and then kind of a vertically working with top college programs like you know I worked with Saban when he was at the Browns with Belichick but then you know he was at Michigan State LSU so you know you pick up those onesie twosies but I didn't have a lot of bandwidth. And and so fortunately at Riser, we have a great IT team. And so it's now been not quite 10 years, but people can go online around the globe. We have the tap translated into several languages and we're in every sport, every level. And so any athlete who's looking to build their, you know, competitive mindset, hence the term Riser mindset, you know, that we're here to help. And uh, so it's been been a great ride. Like I said, uh, started off very, very focused, uh, 
really just working on the draft and then got into player development. And um, some people called me the, the head coach, meaning the coach of the mental part. Right. Um, and then also the coach's coach, because a lot of times I'll work with the organization and, and with a specific position coach on here. This is how you need to, to uh, coach Bob Troutline. And we have all that in, in our various riser reports. We have reports that go to the coach that tell them how to handle this individual. Uh, we have a report that goes to the parent. And, you know, that's a long story, too. But wouldn't you want to know how your child's uh, competitive mindset stacks up to the kids they're playing against and, and whatever league? Would you like to know what they need to do to take their game to the next level? And, of course, we arm the athlete with that information and a roadmap. So at the click of a button, let's say uh, I need to work on my confidence. Bingo. We can put you into our mindset training modules. We've got you know, videos and podcasts. And so these youngsters can start working on these mindset training. And, and it's, it carries over to life, not just on the sports field. You know, it's been exciting and I'm so super stoked that the XFL has realized that the way to approach this is holistic, looking at the whole athlete instead of what I mentioned before, the height, weight, speed. So we're, we're there. It's It's been a while. But as I said, we've been, built out this system that pretty much, uh, as I said, a parent, if you want to know, uh, athlete, if you want to know, coach, if you want to know. And even, you know, at an organizational level, we have team analytics so you can see how your team's trending on certain mindset factors. So I said a lot, but uh, you uh, you opened that door, so I appreciate it. Well, I think it's important because we can read a press release. We could even type in a website, right, for risermindset.com, click on the About Us section. All you get is a pretty brief snippet of what it is, right? And I think this is where it's kind of important just to open the door and let you have it or whoever to explain these things because reading it in black and white, but I don't know if it gets into explaining what it really is. And I think that's where I like to go with this a little bit. And it's not that I ever want to make you feel like you're rambling on, but I also want you to feel like whatever the information is important here to get out, I think that it is, right? So the listeners or whoever's trying to understand, okay, well, it's another partnership, right? We see so many partnerships like Under Armour being the partner for uniforms. Okay, well, this is a little bit more than a uniform supplier, right? This seems to be very integral into what you mentioned, the holistic approach. And we don't really know what that is other than what we've read or briefly seen, right? So here it is an opportunity for listeners to understand that this is just not another partnership. There's been no league that's done it league-wide. We'll kind of get into that. How this, from what I understand, what I've read, it's been right. teams here and there. This is a new way of really doing things across the board and in bringing leagues, players. So, again, I'm kind of rambling on how, but I think it's important to get that information. So if you got to cut it short, I understand, but at the same time, I think it's important to get that out there. You mentioned your background, right? Coaching, even with Ford, you know, your private sector life. What was it with riser mindset? How did this particular situation for you come about? 
and why was it important and what kind of role are you really playing are you really the the head guy of this is you know are, are you the, the godfather so to speak <laughs> yeah well definitely i you know the tap is my baby and um, oh there's a commercial out right now it's not what i do it's what i am i feel that way you know i suppose some people would say that's not good that you totally identify with your work and you know what i wouldn't exist if my work dried up blew away but that's how invested and and so you know when you talk about that it's it's a heartfelt mission and so when i started i, I remember telling my dad my goal was to get into the nfl in five years and i made it in in one year and so originally it was just kind of that you know i want to get to the top i want to work with the best you know perennially we have teams in the super bowl and that's been great. I've worked at the high school level. We went undefeated in a basketball season in one state. And I've got all kinds of stories on that. We perfected the inbound pass. And with one and a half seconds left, by golly, uh, we made the winning buzzer bucket. You know, so at any level, when you can see those contestants, you know, that sheer joy of giving it your all. And, all, and it, you know, the holistic part was clicking, the physical, the mental, the emotional. Um, you know, psychological, and, and that's what it's all about. And those moments are so magic. So, okay, so originally it was just, I want to be a part of this journey, you know, make it to the top of the Super Bowl. But we would draft individuals, and they were touched by God, you know, in terms of their physical talent. But why would they bust? You know, well, it was clear to me, you know, they were missing at the puzzle, you know, the, the mental part. And again, don't spend a lot of time separating mental from physical, you know, it's both and it's holistic. But um, what I said to myself was, isn't it a shame we didn't get a hold of this individual when they were 13, 14. And so when Riser came along and, and I saw the opportunity, like I said, to, to put it out there on the web, anybody can go to riser.com. And, you know, and I know a lot of the listeners, they might not be the weekend warriors. If they are, they should do it to find out their athletic mindset. But certainly I know there's a lot of parents listening and, uh, you know, why wouldn't you want your child to develop in these crucial areas, you know? And again, these life, these are life skill things I'm talking about. That was the passion and, and that's how I got so uh, intertwined with Riser. They're like the delivery system for this. And, you know, they're number one in the camp registration. So we have over a million youngsters flowing through and so uh, that was a great opportunity. But certainly, let's talk about the XFL for a moment, too. You know, like you said, they're doing it league wide and nobody's done. You can use different terms, but this is a very systematic, very deliberate, very thoughtful approach where, to me, all the pieces are tied together versus in the past. A lot of times it was kind of a one off, if you know what I mean, like. Like maybe I had a value a prospect for the draft. And so, you know, there's all these powwows with the GM and the scouting. But then once we took the individual, we had all this rich data, but the, the coaches weren't using it. And even like the training staff. And so now everybody, like I said, is pulling, you know, the same direction. And that's why we have these reports that go to different users because everybody's a stakeholder in this athlete, you know, the trainer, the coach, you know, the athletic director, certainly the parent and the athlete and their teammates. And so, you know, to me, that's what it means, the holistic approach, you know. And so 
we're working on the mindset. Everybody's helping and coaching you the right way and so on. And from a coach's standpoint, I, I just want to add this. Uh, you know, I get coaches coming up to me all the time and go, wow, we had our athletes uh, complete the TAP assessment. I got the report. I feel like I know this guy. You know, and I, I have quotes from from NFL coaches say, I read a, a TAP report and I feel like I wrote it, you know, after I've coached a guy for four or five years and that type of thing. But my point was going to be, we save coaches so much time and so much angst, you know, they have to deal with some, you know, the personalities and those things, and we can help them that way. But the main thing, like I said, is you don't have to do three, four years of trial and error learning to figure out what Bob Troutline is like. I know how to coach him. And by the way, Bob Troutline is working on the things that's going to make him a better athlete and a better person. In recent years, we've seen more awareness, even more acceptance among the general public in regard to mental health, which has led to more health options, as well as even employers offering mental health days and whatnot. So with the XFL partnering, again, with Riser Mindset, this seems fitting, right? This is not a shocker. But from what I've read, it seems like your Troutwine athletic profile is the key, the center of all of this. So can you break down exactly what that is? Because you mentioned it has gone through a couple phases or some tweaking here or there. The formula has probably changed and how you approach it. But can you walk us through what exactly it is? And so we have an idea that it's not just this thing that referred to as TAP in, in generic. Right, sure. Right. So the TAP, it's it's an assessment. You know, some people call it a test. No, it's really more like a survey and assessment. Um, some of the things are behavioral tendencies. Some are what lay people would say are like personality traits, even though that's not exactly accurate. Attitudinal, cognitive. So there's several different scales getting into those specific areas that we know are crucial for things like resiliency and you know, of course, we want to know their competitiveness and not just the quantity of motivation, but the quality. You know, you might be motivated by a different set of, of rewards than I am. And so it's very important to understand and know all of that. And getting back to the, the individual doing the, the uh, self-assessment, if you will, getting the report. You know, we have a lot of blind spots. I was talking to somebody the other day and and actually, you know, for you personally, Michael probably is blind. A lot of things that, you know, 10 of your best friends would tell you, oh, yeah, you're, you're this way, dude, you know, and you don't realize it. So why wouldn't you want to know those things? Because they might trip you up. They might be a stumbling block, but they could be a stepping stone. And that's exactly what we're doing. We are laying out those stepping stones and those stumbling blocks. And I get this question a lot. Well, should I go hone my strengths and parlay those to, you know, leverage myself to the next level or more playing time? Or do I address my weaknesses? And I don't have a real good answer. I think, you know, obviously, I think you should do both. And awareness, I know it sounds cliche, but it is a, a key and a first step. Um, how can I get better if I don't know? And actually, you asked about what's on the tap. One of the things we look at is growth mindset. And uh, curiously enough, it, the date is too early, but this XFL group that we've just tested, they're higher than the 
uh, typical pro athlete and growth mindset. So they want to go to practice. They want to learn. And that's great news for the coaching staffs within the XFL. So you're getting some eager, ready to learn students, you know, and of course there's going to be exceptions, but we'll keep an eye and we'll keep our finger on those kinds of pulses. What, what is the typical XFL player like, you know, and those things, but man, it's, we're just learning new things every day. You know, it's so exciting. So I kind of lost my train of thought, but uh, was there something else you were asking there? Well, no, that's that's great because you had mentioned how you did a lot of one-offs before. Now it's you're doing it in such vast majority or quantity here, shall I say. The XFL has hundreds of players. Right. Have you ever done anything on this scale in general, whether it was in the private sector or is this a kind of a, a new situation for you in Riser Mindset? I have done it, you know, on a team level where everybody in the organization, like the coaching staff, uh, the support staff, and obviously the players, and then incoming recruits. When I say incoming, we haven't even got a commitment out of this person, but using it in the recruiting function. So all the functions have been touched upon. But I can't really say I've, I've worked with an entire league before. But saying that, you know, like um, some of our pro soccer teams, you know, they have academies. Right. And so it really it's it's a system. And again, I keep wanting to use the term in the XFL. We're using a system based approach. And, you know, the net is wide and far. And so um, and I have done that. And on the corporate side, certainly. There, you know, there'd be the the major corporation, but then there'd be all the the offices around the country, around the globe, and they would be like franchises, you know, within a league. But I don't think I could say, oh yeah, I worked for uh, all the you know league and whatever sport, you know. So seeing we have so many people, all sorts of different mindsets. Do you ever really come across somebody that's just not interested? Like they just, they're kind of that closed door, kind of tough to get through. And if so, how do you kind of get around that to kind of get them to get on board so you can actually essentially help each other out, coach and player? Well, <laughs> I'm probably to a fault, uh, a patient person. So that, that individual that you're describing, and there's a lot of them that I've, ran into over the years, it's like, okay, well, we'll see, you know, and, and I get no gratification out of, I told you so, but I've had, you know, early on, especially I'd say from in the eighties, nineties, and even at the millennium, there was still a lot of pushback. And when I say pushback, not against like the tap or something specific, they're just like, I don't, I think that psychology stuff's a bunch of bull, you know, and, and I would have people, with their finger in my face, you know, you're telling me what, uh, you know, it's kind of funny on this. I got run quick story. So when I met Nick Saban, it was in the lunchroom at the Browns and he wouldn't look up at me and it was just he and I, and uh, I go, hi coach. I'm, he goes, I know who you are. And he won't, eat, he's just eating his soup. And he goes, I got a question for you. He goes, I read everything you write and everything. And we had drafted a, a DB and I said he wasn't competitive. And Saban was like, I want to know what you base that on. He finally looks at me, you know, with these glaring eyes. He goes, our scout said he's competitive. His coaches, I want to know. And so I go, here it comes. You know, he's, he's going to break my, 
my jaw, you know, and everything. And I, so I'm t- tell, answering questions like I am now. Well, the tap measures this. And we look at that. And here's the protocol. You know, you answer these questions. He goes, well, you said he wasn't competitive. And you're, you're right. He said, you're the only guy that got it right. And I just want to know how did you know that and everything. So I guess he became a convert. But I thought. Man, and, you know, and I at that time I didn't know that he was going to go on and do those amazing things. But I had watched him uh, at practice, and the prior year before I met him, we were doing a conference call, and they were like, "Well, you know, what do you think of this player?" And it would happen to be a defensive back, and I go, "He's going to be okay as long as a coach is warm and fuzzy, but you can't have a, a drill sergeant." And the whole room just starts laughing <laughs> and everything because, you know, I guess. Oops, well, that's not a good fit. <laughs> so pretty funny. But, yeah, there, there's a lot, of, you know, and the old saying, there's two kinds of people, those who uh, need you and those who want you, and you can only help the second kind. And so, uh, but, yeah, you know, a lot of societies change, and just like you said, with COVID and the mental health uh, issues that, that everybody's facing, um, you know, I think – it's so much better now for me. You know, I, I felt like the lonely guy in the desert for 40 years, you know, carrying around these tablets, like, will somebody listen to me? So we're finally there. We're getting it as a society and definitely within the, the sports ecosystem, you know, and by the way, United States is pretty far behind uh, like Asia and some other countries in endorsing and addressing this, you know, and, as I said, the holistic, systematic approach. Even when a guy's lifting weights, like in our mindset training, you know, let's say you're doing a squat, you should be thinking about certain things. You just don't be thinking about Susie and what you're going to, what ice cream you're going to have after lunch. You know, there's things that you can train your mind as you're training your body. And again, I, there I go. I made that mistake of <laughs> separating. I'm not supposed to do that. So. <laughs> You'll have to be my uh, right-hand man and correct me when I do that in the future. That's <laughs> well, all good. <laughs> the XFL and leagues like it are filled with players that are typically cast-offs. They may have been in the National Football League, or they may have come into camps. They may have been drafted, cut. They may have gone undrafted, still got brought in for looks. But for whatever reason, they didn't stick with the National Football League, right? There's reports within house for those teams of the reasons why this player is not going to make it to the next level. You mentioned that these players seem to have that growth mindset to them, like that eagerness to learn, that that desire to still achieve essentially their dream, their goals. How is that growth and desire going to fit back into that team aspect that you were talking about. Now you dealt with whether it's professional teams, high school basketball, and you, you have this large number of growth minded people. Is this going to really help with that end goal of what we're going to see as far as the product on the field? Football fans are just going to be tuning in whether they're sitting in the seats on television. How do you see this actually playing in front of people because a lot of these guys are supposed to be troubled players for some reason. They didn't have X, Y, or Z, but here right. you're saying there's a growth mindset. So how, how is this going to impact what we are going to see on the field? What we're not going to see from behind the scenes because we're just fans. 
But what are we going to see on the field? How do you anticipate that impacting it? Right. And I think, once again, people focus too much on the outcome, i.e., you know, the win-loss instead of, you know, the processes that get you there. And, and I, I preach it all the time to, to our clients and users, you know, don't put the spotlight on winning, you know, what's going to get you there. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the old saying, you know, the game is won in practice. And absolutely, uh, I totally believe that. And that's where growth mindset really kicks in. So the fan who just shows up the stadium, they're, they're only going to see, you know, the performance on game day, but you win the game in practice. And so the organizations with the individuals that, that embrace the growth mindset, they're getting so much more out of practice than someone, you know, imagine a coach that, and I saw this happen uh, once I was with the chiefs and I was at training camp and these youth coaches were up there and they're taking notes on these drills that we were running. And I just so happened to have a friend that was a youth coach, like a pop Warner deal. And he took that drill and, and had his fourth graders running it and he wouldn't let them go home until they did it right. And, uh, you know, you have to do it perfect in practice. No coach practice is the time to learn. And, you know, we talk a lot about those teaching moments and, and you got to, as a coach, capitalize on them. So I don't mean to dance around your, your question, but the fan who's looking for it on the field, well, you know, it's, it's happening in practice and those players are growing and learning and, and think about the relationship between coach and player when I know it's okay if I make a mistake. And I've said it a million times when I coach, it's okay to make a mistake, just do it at full speed. And I'm not a, a big fan of half-speed drills. There are instances of in motor skill learning. Like if I was going to teach you how to water ski, there would be some half-speed early on. I'm not just going to yank you out of the lake at 30 miles an hour. But by and large, you know, you got to appreciate and embrace the learning process. And again, you, you only learn with feedback and it's not always, you know, oh, you did that right. Oh, you did that right. You know, and that type of thing. So, you know, growth mindset's a kind of a complicated issue. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's very, very vital. Uh, and so, again, what happens is those practices are so much better. And then that's why those teams become winners. Gotcha. I'll kind of try to shorten this up because we don't want to be out here forever, right? Initially, you have your tap. You're going to get your assessment. Players are going to know their information if they want it. Coaches are going to get their information, right, so they know how to address each player. How much more are your, is riser mindset involved after that initial step throughout training camp, weekly practices throughout the season? Is this more of an initial upfront, get the information, get these coaches equipped, or is this kind of more of down the line that you're working with these teams? Because they're in a hub. it's That kind of helps, but they do right. travel and whatnot. So there's a couple of things. Obviously, there's a cast of characters wider than you've mentioned. And so most teams, I think more and more, you're seeing that mental health person. So they're going to be using this information in a proactive way, they might address some players that they know have a problem, let's say with uh, psychological fatigue or what you might call burnout. And so they can intervene and be proactive instead of reactive and help those players. So you have those people and likewise, you know, the athletic trainers. So a group of players who are dinged up, 
they can look at our results. And, and another thing that's very important, it, it's an ongoing process in that we reassess every six months because obviously, and, and think about a college or high school program, if these athletes are going in there and doing their mindset training, they're going to want to see their progress. So we have them reassess. And I'd mentioned team analytics. So coaches can see how the team is trending and that sort of thing. And um, I'll give, t- they're kind of the same example, but two more quick things. So we, one of the things that TAP measures is a resiliency mindset. And it's, I call it staying power. You know, some people just get fed up and I've had enough. What's the point? You know, we're down 40 points. Let's give up, you know, that type of thing. And that's what that resiliency or staying power. So we have teams that are actually looking towards playoffs or towards the end of the season who, you know, do I need to shift my personnel groupings? Because we have some some people that are at, at the end of the rope. And then we have another thing. It's called pressure performer. But we have soccer teams, uh, one division one team. They knew that they were going to go far in the playoffs. And so who are the pressure performers and son of a gun if the final game didn't come down to penalty kicks? And the coaches thought the go to persons were these three individuals. And the tap was saying, no, it's these. And. So, you know, it gets into that. So during season, preseason, during season, postseason, there's those kind of strategic, as I said, personnel types of moves. One more quick example. We have a pro soccer team and the back four scored very low in what we in-house call attention to detail. Well, they were running this hard defense where you had to make all these reads. And this group, it just so happened, these four players were very low in that particular mindset factor. And so they redid their defense and they went from worst to first in their league just because of that, you know. So basically, I don't know X's and O's in, in football. Well, I mean, soccer, of course. I'm, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, he just, I said, well, what kind of defense did you run? He said, it's just sick them. You know, see the ball, go get them, boy. It was that type of thing. But, that's just an example, again, of the riser. It, you just keep using it. You know, it's the gift that keeps giving, you know, and I'll tell everybody, you know, guess what your opponents are doing? You know, they're they're starting to work on their mental game. So don't you, you know, don't you want to get a jump? Don't you want to get a competitive edge? And I'm telling you, the XFL is going to show you this competitive edge. Well, we're looking forward to it. Right. We've yeah. had these different iterations. Here's the third one about ready to kick off here in February. So I think this is just another unique layer to the onion that is the XFL, especially in the third iteration that we just haven't seen with leaks. And we see so many differences compared to their competitor. And it's not to kind of, you know, this is an XFL show. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. But so it's not to bash, sure. but there's going to be unique differences. And it's going to be interesting to see how these unique differences play out more apparent or not right we'll we'll kind of get to see how that is but this has been some great stuff i really appreciate you coming on it's been a pleasure dr troutline to have you discuss what riser mindsets partnership is like with the league and really what tap is you know even though it could be still evolving you know as we as people evolve probably so doesn't things like the assessments yes yeah well, so, thanks for having me. Yeah. I, oh, I you're think welcome. This is the 
start of a really great story. And uh, I hope your listeners uh, follow. And, and again, they're invited to look around those around Riser. And if you have an athlete that would like to uh, sharpen their mental game and, you know, if you do that, just from an enjoyment standpoint, you're going to enjoy your sports experience so much more. Trust me, you know, I wrestled, ran track and played football and I was best at wrestling, but it was torture. And why? I mean, it's not a it's a grueling sport physically, but mentally, I wish this would have been there to help me. You know, I still get a dry mouth just talking about it. <laughs> So you mentioned it's it's riser.com, not riser mindsets, riser.com. Either one will get you there. If you go to riser.com, there's a, a thing up there, a, a tab that says mindset, and it'll kick you over. You can type the whole word word in. And uh yeah, you know, youngsters, they can fill out a riser recruit resume and then they'll get a notice. Like you can put in there, hey, I, tell me about a softball camp within a hundred mile radius. And, and so cool stuff like that. And then and coaches look on there and they can look at your, your, uh, you know, tap profile and everything. And we also partner with other people who have uh, verified 40 times and so on. So a coach can look at, look at all those metrics and everything, but it's a great way for youngsters to get noticed and everything. But the emphasis should be on developing that youngster and who knows what will happen, you know, down the line, but, they're going to be a better human and a better athlete and a happier. Their sports experience will be great. Well, good deal. Thank you, Dr. Troutline. All right, Michael, you take care. You as well. We are fortunate to have Dr. Troutline join this show. He is renowned and has an abundance of experience with sports at the highest levels. It is not surprising that the XFL continues to be a leader in sports innovation. By partnering with Riser, the league continues their holistic approach and are truly putting the players and their safety first. I will now be joined by Renegades Roundup co-host Zach Arnold to discuss the Arlington Renegades lead-up to 2023's kickoff and more. Welcome, Zach. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL, the Arlington Renegades lead-up to February's kickoff, and more. Mike, thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I was a season ticket holder for the Renegades back in 2020. And uh, being an Arlington native, I'm really thrilled that they chose to switch the name from Dallas to Arlington. It gives a little bit more of a showcase for our city. And that's a really cool thing. And uh, I love that the the league has kind of made this area its home. I think it's it's a great place to, to do that in. I think Choctaw is a great environment. So Everything seems to be going in the right direction for the league this time around, and I'm I'm really excited. Well, likewise, I was a season ticket holder, but for the Guardians up north, but for whatever reason, the team followed me south to Florida. Things just work out for whatever reason, right? You still have your Renegades, I still have my Guardians, and we both have different cities behind them this time. Odd, but it's cool, isn't it? it it's, it's really cool, and I think that's part of what makes this league so special is – the accessibility that it has to a certain type of fan. And and I think you and I both fall into that category of, you know, maybe we, we follow the NFL, maybe we follow college ball, but this league is something that is completely different and completely unique from both of those. And for whatever reason, it just strikes the right chords. And I'll, I'll be honest, I had never been a season ticket holder for anything until the XFL in 2020. I, I live in a big media market where you've got the Cowboys, the Stars, the Rangers, you know, 
And I'd never been a season ticket holder for any of them. But for the Renegades, it was just a different breed. It was a different animal. It was a different ethos, atmosphere, whatever you want to call it. It just hit all the right notes for me. And so uh, I was really proud to be a season ticket holder. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what this season has to offer. Well, good deal. Before we dive into that XFL and Renegades discussion, I believe it would be beneficial if you took a moment to share your background for our listeners so they have an understanding as to why I brought you on and not just just anybody, but you to discuss Arlington. Uh, Somebody that's not a a local news anchor, somebody who's not a a professional in the industry. Um, (laughs) I'll do my best to give myself some credibility, but. I'm just a fan. I, I, that, that's, the, that's the core of it. That's the essence of it. Sure, I have a master's degree in communication because I love sports. Like, sure, I've got that. But what I'm doing with that is more about showcasing passion. And I do that with talking about the XFL online. I do that with the high school play-by-play that I do for a local high school football and baseball team. I do that with my television show review podcast that I've been doing since 2014. Like even before I knew that I wanted to be a comms major, I was already putting on a headset and talking into a microphone. You don't want to listen to the stuff that I was talking about in 2014 because it sounds awful compared to how I sound now. But uh, I, I just really, really love the Dallas Fort Worth area. I've never had an address that wasn't in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. I have followed all of those teams that I mentioned before, the Stars, Cowboys, Rangers. We've got an indoor football team like the Frisco Fighters. We've got minor league hockey. We've got minor league baseball. Uh, This is just a huge area that is full of potential for athletes. And that's kind of what the XFL is all about, is a place for athletes to utilize their potential. And even if they don't make the NFL 53, it's so appropriate that this is what your podcast is named. That 54th guy still has a lot of potential. He's still got a lot of athleticism. He still wants to make a name for himself. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I kind of relate to that 54th man because maybe I don't have a full-time job in the sports industry yet, but I am in the exact place that I need to be, I feel like in order to crack my way into it with the XFL headquartered here with a lot of athletic conferences headquartered in the area with at least a dozen colleges and at least a dozen more semi-pro and pro sports teams. I feel like it's just a matter of time before I land that full-time gig and get to do what I love on a full-time basis instead of a part-time, which is what I'm doing right now. Let's try to help get you there. I know I'm a small time show folks, but let's just try to help get Zach to take that next step in the progression of pursuing something that he, he, he loves to do and talk sports, but kind of to segue in, you did have a podcast at one point, the Renegades Roundup. Uh, you were a co-host actually, to be fair with Joe, like his last name skips my mind. It slips my mind. Uh, Scanlon. Okay, Scanlon, yes. I knew it would start with an S, but I didn't want to try butchering something just to throw something uh-huh. out there. Uh, no problem. No, you know, respect, right? You just you have to acknowledge, you know, if you don't have it. But you were covering the league or a particular team back in 2020. So you're not just a fan. You're not just a play-by-play guy. You're not just 
a random podcast host that some people might be like, okay, I'm trying to connect the dots here. When I reached out, I was like, you know, you have a good feel for the game, right? For the league. You're obviously in the market. So I'm like, let's get somebody that's not traditional media, like you had mentioned. You know, I can get that, you know, here and there every once in a while, but I felt you were a good fit. So let's talk some XFL. Yeah, for sure. I, I did really enjoy talking about the XFL back in 2020. You're right. We did have uh, our own podcast. It was gaining some traction just as the pandemic hit. <laughs> like we were we were getting to the audiences that were in the comments section of the Renegade social feeds and people were kind of migrating over to our page just a little bit. And just in time for, you know, the, the episodes that had the most listens and the most engagement, boom, the league shuts down. And so it did kind of derail our momentum a little bit. And we are looking at um, bringing it back in some form if we can. But I, I think not only being a, a person that was behind a microphone talking about it after the fact, but being a season ticket holder and being present at the games is also one of the, the, the key factors involved in following a team in the sense that you're not just watching on TV, but you're in the stadium, you're in the seats, you're buying the merchandise. And when you're buying the tickets and you're buying the merchandise it's almost like you're also buying into what that program is about and you're putting your money where your mouth is. You know, I'm not putting, I'm not, I'm not putting my money into like a, like a sports wager. I don't gamble necessarily because I don't want that on my record if I do get something full time, but I do kind of put my money where, where my mouth is and say, Hey, I'm invested in what this team stands for. I'm invested in what they're doing for the community. And that is something that I have noticed from this iteration is that under the leadership of people like the rock and Danny Garcia, they're doing a lot of things to try and make their name relevant in the city so that people are interested in what this team is about before they even take the football field. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. So let's start diving into that. Back in July, the league announced their eight markets. Mm -hmm. With the Dallas Renegades returning, but rebranded as the Arlington Renegades. So I think it's important you had shared your thoughts on Arlington replacing Dallas in the team's name. Mm -hmm. But how does the fan base feel about Arlington instead of Dallas, like in 2020? Have they embraced it? I feel like the name is not as critical of an issue as the logo is. I feel like switching to this this AR or the R that is basically a, a slash coming through the letter D, it's almost like they're saying, hey, we are not D. We are not Dallas. We are Arlington. But I think people were really invested in the Bandit logo. I think people were really invested in, in a particular schematic more than they were the name because – you know, the first couple of games in 2020, we had anywhere from 18 to 20,000 people in that lower bowl. And so I don't think people cared that they were called Dallas, but playing in Arlington. I mean, we've had that problem with the Cowboys for over a decade. So I don't think people really cared that much about the name change because the venue is still the same. The color scheme is still the same. The team name is still the same. Even the leadership with Bob Stoops, it's still the same. There's a lot that's very, very similar about this iteration. 
Um, I think the biggest complaint people have had has been over the logo more than anything else. It's interesting you mentioned that because in the lead up to 2020, when I bought my season tickets, my fiance, who was then just my girlfriend, loved the Renegades logo. Mm-hmm. She's a Cowboys fan, just to throw it out there okay. for people. So she's kind of was like, oh, gotta, gotta latch on to this Dallas team. They had the best logo. I mean, I, I love the Guardians logo. I thought it was kind of a cool thing, but I got to tip my hat. It was a badass logo. It really was. It was well done, I thought, in my opinion. And yeah. it was kind of surprising to see it just tossed away and go with this I, new whatever. Like you said, the slash is the, probably the best way to explain it because that's exactly the first thing that came to my mind is that it was like slashing out with the old and with the new. And that's kind of just how I took it. Yeah, and I think that's how a lot of people are taking it. Like, I'm pretty sure most of the people in the comment section understand where they're coming from with this logo. They're trying to separate themselves from Dallas and do something different, but they really could have done it a different way, in my opinion. And to completely do away with the bandit, I think, is a mistake from a branding perspective because i mean i've got merchandise that has that logo on it i'm wearing a hat during this interview that has that logo on it like i'm financially invested in that logo but i think even more so i'm just invested in the team and i think at the end of the day that's what it's going to come down to is people who have really been craving the return of the xfl are going to show up and support their team regardless of what the logo is because there are going to be people from 2020 who will show up and wear their bandit renegades gear in defiance almost they'll show up and they they won't buy the new logo but they'll still cheer for the team and i think that's what's going to be the most important thing is are you cheering for today's team and i think at the end of the day that answer is going to be yes i almost embrace bringing back old stuff not that you have to always be fearful of making changes because you know change is inevitable well, you know, in a way, you know, not to get talking about the teams, I was hoping that they were going to find a way to use the rage from 2001 in with Orlando, call it like the raging something, right? I've shared this on my show multiple times. Like, even if you didn't want to go with the old logos that obviously are not fitting for today's sports climate or whatever, but right. the name could have been found a way to bring it along, right? And so, Hopefully, maybe the league will just find ways to have retro gear and bring it on because isn't that kind of what we see in the stands? Not everyone's wearing the latest. Somebody's wearing two years ago jersey, 10 years ago jersey, the guy that's retired that's in the Hall of Fame jersey, whatever, you know, or you're going to see that with the now commanders, which was once the Redskins. You're going to still see that surfacing. So if anything, to me, that's going to help make this not feel like a new league. It's going to make it feel like the league's been around. Some little tweaks, whether it's up in Seattle with the now Sea Dragons or just compared to right. the dra- you know the Dragons. So we're going to kind of right. see some of that. You know, some markets obviously things have shifted, but it is what it is. But yeah, no, I agree. the uh, The R just seemed very plain. Yeah. So uh, to latch on to a logo, probably not going to happen. But it's the team. The colors are still there. Your coach is still there. You're in the same ballpark, so it makes complete sense. And if the logo was the deal breaker. I don't know how invested you were in the team to begin, you know, exactly. not to, not to take shots at people. I would just, that'd be my take. 
No, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I will say I think I know we're specifically supposed to be talking about the Renegades for this episode, but I think the most interesting market to watch out for is actually going to be San Antonio's because they have built a huge following with their college football team, the UTSA Roadrunners. And they had the highest attendance of anybody in the Alliance when it was playing. And so I think that Alamo Dome is going to have a very, very weird mix of colors when people finally make it into the stands, because I think people will show up in their Roadrunner orange. I think people will show up in their Commander's crimson. And I think they'll show up in the the existing Brahma's black and yellow. So that will probably be one of the most interesting mix of fan colors, just because of how hungry that market is for football again. You know, I didn't think about that. You know, back in 2020, we were at the MetLife Stadium. There's a lot of people that just didn't wear even Guardians apparel. You know, some people were there for this, you know, football, to watch football. I don't know how invested they were, you know, really into the, the team. But the reality is not everyone was wearing black, gray, a little bit of red, you know. People were just wearing their Carhartt jackets or whatever, their New, their New York Jets or New York Giants gear because that's their team. So yep. I get that. And, you know, it's kind of expected because how much do you go all in on it? Because the last team you had didn't make a full season either. And now looking at this league is iteration number three, but iteration number two on foreseen circumstances, but it also didn't make it through full season. So that's kind of, you know, I didn't think about it, but it does make a lot of sense. Like you're right. Yeah. We're going to talk about the renegades, but you know, we're going to talk about the XFL in general. And it's perfect that you bring up the renegades. Cause my next question is that we know that football is practically a religion in Texas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I've never been to Texas, but I I have figured that part out, right? I, but I, eventually, I will make it to Texas. But I have figured that part out. Whether it's Friday Night Lights, whatever it is, football is a religion. It's not a shot at religions, but it's just like, people, that's how serious Texas takes their football. And I... I I just know people from Texas and they will tell me and I have figured it out from watching TV and whatever it is, documentaries. I got it. It's a religion. Yeah. Yeah. So the league decided to put three teams there. All right. We bring back the renegades or bring back the roughnecks. We place one in San Antonio, got the Browns. How is that going to impact each other? Benefit? Are they going to travel like crazy? You know, like somebody's like, you know, it's not that far, two and a half hours, four hours, whatever it is between the different markets. Are we going to see more colors of the other teams going in? And we're going to see what kind of what we see in, um, you know, LA now with the Rams and Chargers, a lot of away teams, or you see even like uh, the Raiders, because these are destination cities that people are going to go. Are we going to see that? In Texas, because these guys are going to be traveling back and forth. You know, I, I tell you, the only example I've got that is XFL related was the game between Dallas and Houston that happened right before the shutdown. And that stadium in Arlington was so full, they had to open up the upper deck just for Houston fans. So there was definitely a fan base that traveled. And it was probably our highest attended game of the season. Because what used to be home run porch, for those of you that are Texas Rangers fans, it was the upper deck, home runs would get hit there all the time. That second level was the only time we ever had to open up 
the next deck. And I can't tell you how many chills I got from the prospect of filling that stadium completely. It's got a capacity of, I want to say, 36,000, maybe 40. And we only got to about 20,000, but we packed them in like sardines on that first level. But to see Houston traveling well enough that they had to expand that seating was really cool. And I really don't think it's going to affect ticket sales all that much because people from Houston uh, were like, or people from San Antonio rather, were not traveling to Houston to see the Roughnecks in 2020. I promise you. They were staying home and watching the Roadrunners, building their fan base in San Antonio. I really have my doubts that anybody from San Antonio, and if they were, they were those hardcore fans that were willing to make that trip. So I think there's going to be a market for ticket sales in San Antonio just as much as there's going to be a market for ticket sales in Houston. I don't think they're taking away from each other at all. But I do think, to your point about travel, there will be people that are going to make that two-hour drive, that four-hour drive from Arlington to Houston. Um, my mom is from the San Antonio area. So any excuse I get to go to San Antonio, I'm going to take it. And so if I have the opportunity to see uh, a Brahma's home game, I'm probably going to take it just so that I have an excuse to go to San Antonio for the weekend. I, I think that culture is definitely there in the Lone Star State. So I I love the move. Uh, it's not a detriment to any of the other markets that feel like they deserve a team. I just feel like those three markets in particular are hungry enough that they will sustain their teams. Well, good deal because I could see, you know, if anything's within reason without having to always go crazy and paying for airfare and, you know, once you get their rental car, Ubers, taxis, whatever. You know, if you can just hop in your car and go drive the two hours, four hours, and just maybe stay the night or whatever, if you got family, you know, you don't have to spend money on a hotel, but go catch the game or even a drive down, drive back situation. It's not that unheard of. People do it all the time. But I was also kind of wondering, I'm like, okay, where does it start to take some of these fringe people, right? Is it going to split some people? But like you said, you don't think they were really making that drive from San Antonio to, you know, another city. So doesn't look like there's a bad, aspect about having three teams in texas i know some people beat this and i don't want to beat that horse too much but uh, you know kind of comes down to the thing like, right this could be a benefit because we already know the hubs there right, right. that's going to keep some expenses down and uh for the teams as far as traveling and if you can keep three teams right there right, right around that hub it's it's a pretty big deal so let's look back let's hit the rewind button Let's let's run back to 2020. Take a snapshot of what you can recall that whole lead up. You know, Oliver Luck's regime and everything that was going on. What were you seeing in marketing, in grassroots type stuff? You know, now fast forward back to where we are today. What are you seeing in those same aspects? Are we seeing meetups, happy hours? Are we seeing billboards, TV ads, radio, whatever, you know, the, are we seeing something similar or is it is not quite there? It's a very loaded question. It is. I mean, it, but I mean, like, cause I'm, I'm just trying to compare two timeframes, but I mean, like I get it's a lot in there, but I'm like a couple of weeks here. We're just kind of curious. Where's Harley today? 
because there's so much invested in Arlington right now by the league. It seems like there would be so much more of it. You would think. I don't know if that's exactly the case, though. And I'll tell you the reason why. The Dallas Cowboys are king in this area. And they're still in the playoffs. So even if that message is getting out there, people are still wearing their Tony Romo jerseys to the local Hooters. Like, that's just the way things are in this area right now. And until they get eliminated, people are not going to be thinking about what's next. They, they're going to be thinking about, you know, where's the next watch party. And at the time of this recording, they're still in it. So we don't really have the mental capacity as a city to focus on two football teams at once. Whenever the Cowboys are finished, I feel like the attention will probably shift a little bit more, but as it is right now, they're pretty, honed in on what Dak and company are doing. And so whenever that finishes, I feel like that might kick up a little bit, but the timing is just so off for me as a, as a comm major, I really expected that marketing and that grassroots to be happening at least a month ago, if not longer, they really should have been getting into that before the Cowboys postseason even started and let people know through social media ads, through those meet and greets, like you were talking about, since the town hall last year, I haven't seen a whole lot of promotions for meeting the players, autograph sessions, meet the coaches, um, even Zoom calls. Like there's there's nothing like that. And I actually just got an email today that was inviting me to an open practice that's happening on the 28th. I was just going to bring that up. But that's like the only thing. I made reservations for it. But that's like the only thing that I have seen leading up to this point. And it just feels like too little, too late. And before I, I finish this thought, I, I do want to say that one of the biggest differences in the league outreach overall comes down to just two words. Bailey Carlin. Bailey was the social media director for the 2020s XFL and had a very, very clear plan in place for all teams. And then was very, very engaging, particularly on places like Facebook and Twitter, to help build the following that the existing page has today. If you look at what the XFL's Twitter page numbers are, I would wager that only a small percentage of it is garnered from this iteration of the social media team. And that is not a knock on any of the people that are social admins. I know that that's a tough undertaking. I know that trying to establish and separate yourselves from something that happened three years ago and create your own brand can be very tough to do when you're working within an existing brand that was bought out. There's a lot of logistics behind that that makes it a very difficult task for the existing social media admins. So I completely understand that the numbers may not be where they want it to be. But Bailey Carlin not getting brought back into the league was a mistake in my mind. And without him, that grassroots outreach just hasn't been the same as it was three years ago. Completely fair. I know of Bailey. I don't know him. Never really followed him personally on social media, but he has a presence. He has a following. He is doing something more than something right. Yeah. He, 
he figured it out. Like yep. this is these are his platforms. He he knows how it works. He knows how people think. He knows how to connect. So that is obviously an area that they're lacking. But they are fortunate to have what he built a foundation for and to kind of keep running with it. I had feared, and why I was going to bring it up the the open try uh, the the open practice. I had feared that they did this because they weren't making any ground in that particular area of local events. They weren't really getting any, I'm not saying any airplay. I'm sure to some extent there's some media picking them up, you know, local news, but probably not to the extent they're seeing in other markets. Like San Antonio has just latched on and Heinz is this great catch for any of the sports anchors and uh, reporters. It really, it really is. Where now, whether it's the Dallas Fort Worth market, you know, that's all everyone likes to sell it is. Yeah, there's a lot more going on. It's even a benefit down in San Antonio that the Spurs are not looking so hot and they're probably not going to make the playoffs is going to fall right into the Brahma's lap. Their only major sports team. Yes, the season is going for a while, but they're going to eventually look further and further out of it. People might, their mind might wander a little bit before the season's even over. Sure as I don't have to battle with NBA playoffs down there, but this could be a little bit different up where you're at. You got hockey, you got the NBA, and you got a heck of a star in the NBA with you know the Mavericks in the market. And not only that, you got baseball's going to come up in you know, with, with the Rangers. So it is a different market, like you said, and that is that attention span is going to be difficult. Now it seems like, well, we got the hub here. We might as well just open up the practice. Got to really push our local team. It did seem kind of as a desperation move, in my opinion. And maybe I'm being a little too harsh, but I, I try to keep it real. I don't speculate a lot. I don't kind of go back and forth with all these things. I just try to report what's out there, what's being heard. But it did kind of come across that way a little bit. But, you know, it's not the end of the world because why not? What does it hurt? They're already holding practice. Yeah, you, you really don't have anything to lose from a situation like this. And I think that's probably where they're at is we haven't gained all that much. So by hosting an event like this, what do we have to lose? To your point about the hub, it's actually a lot more difficult to have these types of fan meetups because you basically have to fly the team out there to do those community engagement projects and then fly them back to the hub. Which That's an done ex- with St. Louis yeah. and Seattle. Yeah. But it's expensive. Yes. It's, it's a task. It's almost a chore to get your community engaged in what's going on. And I think it's a very scary precedent for the hub city to not have the engagement that they were looking for. Because I bet you there's a ton of Battlehawks fans that would love to have their team having open practice in the dome in St. Louis, but that's not what's happening there. I just saw a social media post of them practicing at a, uh, high school football field in Mansfield, which is about 30 minutes away from Arlington. You know, they're, they're practicing in these places that nobody's going to come visit them. And it's tough to see because I know that there's going to be sea dragons fans. There's going to be battle Hawks fans. There's going to be guardians fans that want to come and see their new team that want to come and be a part of what's going on. And for Arlington to have to force the issue 
you're right. It's not the best look, but I'm hoping that by doing this, they have the opportunity to right the ship a little bit. It sounds promising. The email that I got suggested you can actually sit in the seats that you want to select for your season tickets so that you know exactly what your view is, which is pretty cool. There's going to be food and drink available, so you might be able to get a taste of the concessions fair while you're there. And then there will be autograph sessions at the end of practice. So there's a lot of potential there to kind of get that ball rolling. But my fear is that it might be too little too late. Yeah. If the Cowboys were to continue, right? And it's a big if, and we're not trying to jinx anybody. But just hypothetically, they're like you said, as of this moment, they're still in it. You know, where we are recording on Friday night. So depending how they play this weekend, they could still be going. If they make it to the Super Bowl, if that attention span is not there a week before the season kicks off, that could be detrimental. So I have a theory on this, and I don't know how true this is, but if I was in their shoes, this is what I would do. I'm a graduate of the local university here. It's the University of Texas at Arlington. And since the 80s, they have not fielded a football team. They didn't find it within their means to continue a team that was only winning one game a year. So they just shut the whole program down. And there have been talks off and on for the last, I don't know, 15 years to try and bring it back. But it's never happened. With the Renegades returning and playing in a ballpark that is literally five or six miles away from this campus. That is where I would be targeting for ads, billboards, posters, uh, meet and greets, engagement. You talked earlier about how football is king. Population-wise, as far as enrollment goes, UT Arlington is the largest Division I school in the state that does not field a football program. Wow. And if you really do believe football is king, then get the attention of the college students that will come and cheer loudly for a team because they are starving for football. UT Arlington, in my mind, should have been one of their biggest targets from day one. And it has not been. And that's unfortunate because my buddy Joe and I, when we went to a game in 2020, we felt like it had a very college-esque atmosphere. There was a lot of beer being slung around. There was a lot of our age type of music playing. There was a lot of gimmicky cams that were going around, like those emoji cams and Simba cams and what have you. It was all geared towards kind of that 20 to 30s audience. And I really feel like if they targeted a university that is starving for football, then they would have that establishment, that foundation that they've been looking for. But instead, they're holding closed-off, closed-door meetings for the city's Chamber of Commerce. That was something that they posted on their social media like within the last couple of days. They had maybe 40 people from the Chamber of Commerce come out, and they all got new shirts, and they all got to take pictures with Coach Stoops. and. It just feels like a very old school approach to getting people to come to the games. The Chamber of Commerce was probably very influential 
20, 30 years ago. But to use them as your primary source of distributing information and trying to get the word out to people to come to your games, it feels, I wouldn't say backwards, but it feels very old school. And I have my concerns that this approach could end up affecting attendance numbers as we get ready for the season. Hopefully it will go up as word of mouth spreads around as to how fun and engaging the atmosphere is. I can personally attest to how fun it is, but if that's your form of grassroots, I feel like they need to be doing more. Yeah. I think overall the whole sentiment has been that most of these markets haven't been doing enough, but like I said, St. Louis and Seattle seem to be doing okay. I mean, there's enough interest. I don't know if those fan bases were just larger enough where they feel like they're going to get started with that, but it feels like if those are still there, you know, they're still invested. They haven't gone anywhere. I think you should be focusing on areas like maybe Orlando that don't sound to be doing too well with tickets. Sounds like you got a new market. You may want to, you haven't been in this market since 2001 and it was a completely different rebrand. I get, I get it. A completely different league back then. But maybe it's time that's also, you know, a city that wants football, you know, when they lost the Apollos back with the AAF and whatnot. But it, let's try to get off negative town here for a little bit. We kept it real. I mean, we didn't try to punch anything, but we just kept it real. People need to know what's happening in these markets and you shared it, right? You know, honestly. Well, and, and, and I think that's the tough thing is I so desperately want to be even more excited because of how much fun I had back in 2020. But this go round, it seems like has not been trying to appeal to someone like me. And maybe that's partially on me because I've got a different job now that is requiring more of my energy. I haven't been able to be as engaged on social media as I was back in 2020 when I had a different job, different situation. I don't feel like this go around has been appealing to me. But what's so funny is it's still appealing to me, if that makes sense. Like the concept the league the opportunity that it provides like the big picture is still very appealing to me but the grassroots has not been reaching out to me i'll get a facebook ad maybe that says hey single game tickets are now on sale i'll get the occasional email that goes straight to my spam folder and i have to kind of go searching for it but there's just there's a different type of engagement going on this year that seems to be focusing on an audience that isn't me. And if we're going to get people like me to go to the games, then yeah, we probably need a little different type of engagement, a little different approach. So I hope the powers that be are listening to me and know that I'm saying this because I want the league to succeed. I want the team to succeed. I want the community to be engaged. I want this to be a viable option. Like I say all of it so that the league can continue to grow and get better and learn because the first time you try something, it's never going to be perfect. And if you start looking at the nitty gritty, 
it becomes a little bit more evident that that's the case right now. Let's talk about the one thing that they did do to bring back for all that they had changed, right? Out of eight teams, they wanted to go a different route with a head coach. But for whatever reason, they brought back Coach Stoops with Arlington, making sure it was the same location with a team that kept essentially its name, just rebranded this, you know, as a city. How important do you think that decision was for the oh, fan I think, base? I think I think it was a big decision, and I think it was the right decision because Coach Stoops is a legend in these parts. The success that he had at Oklahoma and the number of high school recruits that he was able to personally convince to come north of the Red River to come play for him in Oklahoma, it's the stuff of legend. He was able to sell out seats in places like TCU and Baylor when they were playing conference games in the state of Texas. There were always OU faithful that were following him, even out to Lubbock to play Texas Tech. Like He has roots in the state of Texas. And even if he was the Oklahoma coach, his connection to this community is something that was absolutely important to bring back. And I look forward to seeing what he can do because he's a good coach. He's, he's a good man. Uh, I grew up a Longhorns fan, so I don't necessarily like that. He kicked my team's butt year after year, but he's a good coach and he, he knows what he's doing. And so to put him some in, in some other market like Seattle just didn't make sense. He doesn't have the connections up there. He doesn't have the reputation up there. I would wager that there will be people from Oklahoma who come down into Arlington to watch the Renegades play just for Coach Stoops. That's the kind of influence that he's got. How far a drive is it? From Norman? Oh, man. That's a good question. All right, just put you on the spot. I mean, I've never gone up to Norman myself. I try to avoid Oklahoma as much as possible. So. I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but from here where I live to Norman, it's about a three hour drive. So it's reasonable. It's, it's a very feasible drive. Um, I just had to do a quick search on Google maps, but yeah, from here to Norman is, is about three hours. And pretty much if you're not an Oklahoma state fan, you're an Oklahoma fan. So half of the state pretty much has reason to come down into town every now and then and watch the play. And if not, I would wager that a lot of them will be watching online because with the partnership that they've got with the ESPN networks, it's that much easier to try and tune into an XFL game. I would bet the state of Oklahoma tunes into a lot of Renegades games this year. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I used to drive just shy of four hours from Syracuse, New York, down to MetLife Stadium for the, the Guardians games. So just shy of four. And the That's one dedicated. time I turned around and drove right back after the game, the one time I stayed at a hotel – but again, people will do it if that's what they want to see. And if they're that faithful, then, you know, that's a good thing. To me, it was a no-brainer, but I thought they would have kept a lot of coaches. And then it's kind of interesting how they did hire some of the coaches back. Like June Jones got moved up as the OC in Seattle. And then the Hayes brothers are now part of Coach Stoops' team. How do you think that? impacts the renegades and whatnot obviously there's a connection there 
just they didn't get to keep their roles with a very popular team uh, with the Battle Hawks. But let's now take a look at how everything is being built. Stoops, the Hayes brothers, new faces as far as players. They essentially hit the reset button. The league just hit the reset button on players. But when I look at the rosters, and I know a lot of other people as well, sounds like it's the Arlington Renegades and the Vegas Vipers is what a lot of people are talking about as those top two dogs. And what do we go ahead? I'm sorry. I I would also just throw DC into the mix a little bit. There's a couple people have mentioned as well, but mainly it's been those two. I like the way things are taking shape uh, in DC for whatever reason. Maybe it's because I saw how much Jordan Tamu lit things up in 2020. And anytime you've got his name attached to a project, you've got potential. So to have him attached to DC uh, with a really great supporting cast around him, I think DC's definitely got some potential. Vegas, I'm a little uncertain about because they've got the talent, but I question pretty much everything else. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I, I'm not going to be one of those people. I actually see them on the field because uh, there was a lot of drama surrounding where they were going to play. There was a lot of questions, excuse me, surrounding uh, their, their coaching staff. There was a lot of questions even on what their team name was going to be. And so the uncertainty that surrounded the team leading up to the draft is something that makes me question how the fan base is going to be and how the team chemistry is going to be. So I like, St. Louis, because I know that their fan base is established, and I know that Coach Beck is doing a lot, uh, not just on the field, but off the field. So I would think my two top dogs right off the bat would probably be Arlington, because I'm biased, and either <laughs> St. Louis. But when you take a look at the roster that they were able to build, it's fantastic to have Kyle Sloter as your potential starting quarterback. He lit things up for New Orleans in the USFL. I actually became a Breakers fan because I was waiting for the XFL to come back. And I like won some Breakers gear through a social media giveaway that they mailed to me like a month later. But I finally have like a Breakers hat that I can wear to a local bar when they're playing. And to see him and Canella coming back, that was a great one-two punch for that New Orleans offense. And then you've got players like Payne and Hawkins on the defensive side of things. Payne is a force to be reckoned with, whether he's going to be lining up as an edge rusher or lining up with fingers in the dirt. He is going to be a, a powerful player on the line. And then Hawkins was on the 2020 team for the Renegades. And he became like a fan favorite because of his passion, his energy, his effort, uh, his timely interceptions. I really think having him back is going to be a, a big leadership boost for the team. He knows the locker room. He knows the field. He knows Coach Stoops. Uh, he knows the city. So I, I really think Hawkins could be a big leader for the team. And then you mentioned having some St. Louis ties. We've actually got a couple of former St. Louis players on special teams. You got Marquette King, who is arguably one of the best punters I've ever seen. And then Russelino lining up for our field goals like he was probably one of the top two kickers in 2020 for the xfl as well if not the best kicker statistically so there's a lot of stability up and down this roster for for arlington i almost said dallas see it's just a habit 
<laughs> I'm so used to saying Dallas, but for Arlington to have this kind of foundation, this kind of coaching staff, I feel like the on-field product has the potential to definitely be competitive right out the gate. But we didn't see that with the Dallas Renegades in 2020. It took them a couple of games to find their footing, to figure out who their offensive stars were. And when they did figure it out, then they became a bit more of a dangerous team. But I think with these players having recently played in places like the Indoor Football League, the USFL being on NFL practice squads, there's a lot of players that have real experience and game reps that they're not going to be rusty and they're going to be ready to play week one. Yeah, I look at that roster and there's just so many alternative football veterans. I guess it's the best way to put it. And you just can see it. And these guys obviously are still hungry to achieve their goals, their dreams, but they've essentially been here and done that. What it takes to the short training camps, right? This is not new. Yes. There's going to be some tweaks between one league and another, or one iteration of XFL to the next, you know, but the reality is they've essentially been here and done that. This is not new. Right. And that's as much of a veteran type of thing that you need to have because there are going to be some new guys in the roster. Each team still has new, you know, essentially rookies or whatever that are need to be brought in. And it's like, Hey, this is how things are done. The national football league has been around for years and those rosters don't turn over that much. So I think that's a big part in that. Now I look over at the Vipers, which I say is, you know, one of the top two, you know, a lot of people think so, but I also see a lot of, Guys that have a lot of experience again that have kind of been through this. You know, the Luis Perez is like the epitome of alternative footballs. Yeah. You know, quarterback. And, but you still see like former All Pro, Vic Beasley. But guys like that to be, there's some going to be some really good guys to bring in the mix. Now, yes, one or two players, you know, Bryant, they have on as a receiver, they tore it up in the NFL until for whatever reason shifted out. Maybe you can, as long as keep it together, there's some options there. But either way, you get to see that up front the first week. So you, like I said, you got to see it. So you're going to get to see something week one between those two to see if it's real, if it's not. Well, my my hope is I get to see it from the press box. With With my credentials, I'm reaching out to different people in marketing and communications and see if they need any kind of game day help. And uh, hopefully the things that I've said here haven't like hurt my chances at that (laughs) because I I do call it like I see it, but I do try to do it in a diplomatic fashion and and I do it with, with love and grace. Like I I say the things that I say because I want this team to succeed. And if I can be a person that actually helps them succeed, then by all means, I'll watch the game from the press box while I'm handing out statistics to the media members. If that, means that I don't get to scream and yell at the refs while chucking a beer at the person in the row in front of me, then, you know, that's a, that's a fair trade-off if it means getting to advance the career path a little bit. Oh, hundred percent. And I don't think you said anything that would be kind of frowned upon by the league. I mean, you said Stoops was a can't miss hire. Yeah. You said that they've done everything right with the players, you know, with the veteran leadership essentially, and they're bringing back in real solid guys. You have, 
they haven't really bashed anything. Yeah, okay. Maybe wish you could have seen them, but you know the Cowboys are already still in it. So, I mean, you're being realistic. So, hey, anyone from the league that's tuning in, he hasn't been too, he hasn't been too critical, right? <laughs> Come on. I've been providing feedback on ways to improve. Like, I really think UT Arlington is a place to target students. They have these shuttle buses from local establishments like burger places and pubs that will shuttle people to the Cowboys games. Why can't those same shuttles take you up to Choctaw stadium? You know, you, you, you pregame at a local place, shuttle over to the game and keep having fun at, at this football game. I, I really think that a university that doesn't have a football team is the perfect place to get football fans to come watch you. And it's just, I feel like it's a shame that they haven't taken advantage of that yet. Seems like a great idea. Seems like somebody, if they haven't thought of it or given it serious enough thought, needs to revisit at least that idea. And uh, there's there's still time. First place, I would have brought that up months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry. let's no, it's fine. Let's take a look at no Choctaw Stadium. Right, they're returning to it. We know that you know obviously it's the headquarters essentially. Everything that we've seen in the lead up to the season. You know, meetings have been at Choctaw Stadium and whatnot. Pitchers, all that good stuff. What are you anticipating for game one, attendance-wise? You know, you've seen what you've seen. You probably have a feel for what you're hearing from whatever people you know that were fans in 2020. What do you think that we're going to see? I do feel like there will be a really good tell on the the meet and greet Saturday. I think that will be the foundation. I think that will be the real test of how many people are genuinely interested in getting season tickets. How many people are genuinely interested in meeting the team that they will get up on a Saturday morning to come say hi to them before they go do their other things on their day off. I think that is going to be the biggest tell. And so I don't want to speculate too, too much on specific numbers, but their first game against the Battle Hawks had roughly 17,000 people. So I think somewhere in that ballpark of maybe 15 to 18,000 is going to be a safe bet. And depending on the Cowboys status, it could be a little bit more for people that are really, really hungry for more football. Uh, as soon as the Super Bowl ends, that's when the XFL begins. And it was timed up that way on purpose for people that wanted more football. So uh, I, I do think it could be dependent on the, the Cowboys playoff status, but I think it could also be dependent on their fan engagement over the next few weeks. Okay. Let's revisit. You mentioned you got a career path you're pursuing here and not to jinx you in any way, but you mentioned there's a possibility that podcast could come back. Renegades roundup. Yeah. All contingent. Now, I do wish that you get in that press box one way or another. And I do wish that you do achieve what you set out. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm not trying to definitely jinx you here by any means. No, you're welcome. I mean, why not have anybody achieve their dreams? This is what this league's all about for players and coaches, right? More football, more opportunity avenues for these guys to get where they're trying to go. So... I want that for whoever else, you know, whether it's a podcast host that's aspiring to be a radio show 
or if it's somebody like yourself just trying to get wherever, please, I, I you know, more avenues, great. If it doesn't happen, it's a possibility we could see that show come back because here's a chance just to plug it, right? You know, keep growing likewise or like-minded shows, even if it's team-oriented versus league-oriented. You're saying there's yep. a possibility? It is very strong. The difficulty is getting the schedules to line up because Joe is now a morning anchor in Nebraska. And so trying to get our schedules to line up, he's got to go to bed earlier because he's getting up earlier in the mornings than I am. So that's probably the biggest logistical detail that we're trying to work on. But I would definitely love to have a Renegades theme podcast return. And if I'm only working on game days and I'm just an independent contractor anyways, and I can keep hosting the podcast that I want to host and it wouldn't be considered a conflict of interest. So even if I only get there on a game by game basis, I think it's safe to think that this show will come back in some capacity. So if y'all are interested in hearing our renegades oriented thoughts, our XFL related thoughts, then please, by all means, go find at renegades underscore pod on Twitter and renegades roundup on Facebook. Those are our two major platforms. It's not a huge following because it's such a specific thing, you know, an, an XFL theme podcast, you can talk about, you know, all eight teams and you've got all eight markets wanting to tune in. But when you're only doing something for one particular team, then it's a little more niche. So at Renegades underscore pod on Twitter and Renegades Roundup on Facebook. And then if you want to keep up with the other stuff that I do outside of that, uh, baseball season's coming up for me next month. And I'll be doing play-by-play for the local high school team. And you can follow me on pretty much any social platform at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice, all one word. Good deal. People, I believe we should be following all shows, regardless of how niche they are, what particular teams. Because wouldn't it, wouldn't it be just a great thing to know what's being said for the other teams when you're going to face the next team? Absolutely. Why not just get out there? Who cares if it's a Renegades podcast or a Brahmas or Roughneck, especially now that they're in the division? I would think all the Texas guys would want to be definitely following their foes, you know, and you're going to play them twice, home and away. So likewise across the league, I just think it's wise. That's why I try to put it out there that if there's a chance of it coming back, here's your chance to plug it because they're already XFL people. Why not? But let's grow together and anything. If you, if you outgrow us and, you know, God bless you, man. Well, I'm not trying to count my chickens before they hatch, but back in, 2020 we did have a really cool collaboration with uh with a podcast called sea of dragons and it was the local podcast for the seattle team right before we ended up playing them in seattle and so i am totally open to that kind of collaboration if there's a another podcast in another market where you know we have each other on leading up to that particular game week you know 100 percent, let's do that because that gives exposure to both markets that way Ooh. to both both podcasts that way and so please by all means if you have a show that you want some renegades focused thoughts on i will definitely try to find ways to make myself available just as i did tonight you know i I love talking about this team i love talking about this league and i appreciate you having me on man you know what you're doing me a huge favor i know everyone says oh you know you know it's great you know but it really is because my listeners may follow other shows, probably likely, but just trying to get as much insight as possible. And it's great that like the Mark cast does what they, 
you know, he does and whatnot. And it's unfortunate Jay and Joe's show came to a halt, but bless, you know, God bless Jay and congratulations on him making Great. it as the social media manager for the Brahmas. For those that didn't know, you know, Jay Noakes is now the social media manager for the San Antonio Brahmas. So congratulations, those people. Let's, you know, just keep propping each other up. Let's try to get what we can. And uh, if we can't, why not come together and get insight? Because I am not in Arlington. I am not, like I said, never been in Texas. So without you, I wouldn't have this. Thank you. And you doing me a huge favor and my listeners a huge service for just coming on and sharing what you know. Because I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have known there was an outreach potentially to a key university that would likely do shuttles. Like, like I, I wouldn't know that because I'm not there. So you bring a, a, an abundance of knowledge. And that's why I reached out. Like I told you in the lead up to this, you are somebody I had in my short list to do this. And uh, I'm glad you took the opportunity to come on. And I think we are much more knowledgeable for that. So thank you. Pleasure was mine, dude. Thank you again for having me. I, I, I love getting to, to collaborate. And this is an area that I haven't collaborated on very much lately. As I mentioned, the roundup has kind of been on again, off again. So getting to talk sports and getting to talk XFL was uh, a great pleasure. And uh, best of luck for uh, for your program and your listeners moving forward. I, I can't wait to see what you're doing next. All right. Well, thank you. Let's stay in touch. All right. Let's just see uh, You know what's going on with you and what's going on. Maybe we can have you come back sometime. If you ever if you ever make it to a game in Arlington, first round's on me. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Well, thank awesome. you, Zach. Having not previously spoken with Zach, we had a very smooth and honest conversation. Getting insight from those within the community is important. It is a bit worrisome that the XFL doesn't have significantly more awareness in their home city. Football-wise, the league appears to be hitting a home run. However, questions continue to surface in regard to their non-football efforts. Hopefully, they are doing more and better than we realize. This week, we received another fan line message from Kelly Cofield in Rockford, Illinois. Kelly's message was in regards to the USFL. Unfortunately, our show doesn't cover the USFL, so we have decided not to include the audio in this week's episode. If you have an XFL comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. 
Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.